prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you were crucified. You were crucified on our behalf, but Lord, I thank you that because you are the author of life, you could not stay dead. You were raised to life on the third day, and you freed us from our sins and you free us from the prison of death. Lord, I just ask that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would come and present himself that we might understand your word. Oh God, I need you to do for me what I cannot do in my own strength. Open up people's ears that they might hear your gospel, Lord. Open up people's eyes that they might see your gospel. Father, I beg of you that you would unlock people's hearts, that they might experience the power of your gospel today, that it will result in salvations, it will result in steps of discipleship here at Cross Community Church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. My name is Nico Williams. Cole introduced me earlier today, and he mentioned that I got a chance to hang out with our crossover youth ministry from Friday night. I preached for them on Friday night. I preached for them Saturday morning. I preached for them Saturday night, and now I'm here with you for the next uh, serve a couple of services. It's been such a wonderful time, and I, as I was talking with Cole, I was like, Cole, what should we talk about? Like, where, where should we go to discuss your word? And he had just been sharing with me how you as a church, as you guys were pursuing God through Seek Week, something that kept coming up was just this idea of breaking the fallow ground. Of like maybe allowing God to interrupt your regular routines and regular schedules. And I just, I wanted to share something with you that really did interrupt my life. It was one of the greatest interruptions of my life. I, we had a child about three months ago. This is a picture of me and my family. Yes, I got the cutest kid in the world. Amen. If any of you have had a child, I, I see many of you got children in your lap right now. You know that children, they interrupt your sleep. You know, you go to sleep, you're tired at the end of the day. You, oh, everything all right? It's a little bit of an interruption. You caught it. You caught it. I don't know if many of you remember, I got a chance to preach here back when you guys were in the Y and I was preaching in the middle of the sermon, the lights cut off. And so I thought I'd do a little bit of a, a, just bringing it back to there. But anyways, we're talking about uh, interruptions across community. What do you do when God interrupts you? When God, he interrupts your plans. The idea of where you wanted to take your life and your family's life gets moved around because God decided that he would intervene. One of the things that I spoke to our youth about over and over this weekend was that the interruption of God is an extension of his grace. You see, the fact that our God Almighty, who is fully holy, the fact that he would decide to show up in our universe, that by its definition is an interruption. Anytime he does that, he's extending to us grace. He's extending to us a gift that we would know him. See, if you're God and you're all-powerful, and you're all-knowing, and you need nothing, the fact that he would reveal himself to us at all is his grace. Like I said earlier, me and the students in Crossover Youth, uh, we've been talking about interruptions. We've been studying the book of Jonah. 
And so we're just going to pick up where we left off yesterday. But let me see if I can catch you up really quickly. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. But in Jonah chapter 1, we saw that God interrupts Jonah by speaking to him. And by calling him to preach to the Ninevites, that's grace to Jonah that God would speak to him and grace to the Ninevites that God would send someone to speak on their behalf. In Jonah 2, Jonah is in the belly of a fish and somehow he has the ability to worship God. We learned that since worship is war, we should worship God wherever we are. In Jonah chapter 3, we saw that the Ninevites believed the word of God. And we saw that God's word changes people and it helps us to share what we believe. But today in Jonah 4, we're going to study the fact that you must understand grace to extend grace properly. You must understand grace to extend grace properly. Since God has been gracious to you, he can extend grace to anyone. If I had to say it a different way, I say, if God can save you, he can save anybody. What I mean by that is that if God could look into the depths of your heart and still decide to bring you into his family, y'all, he's able to do that for anyone. So let's jump into our text. We're in Jonah chapter four, but we're actually going to start in Jonah chapter three. This is the last verse in that chapter, just so you can get a picture of what has happened and what's going on. In John chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, talking about the Ninevites, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God. And merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? In the passage that we just read, I can't help but inwardly cringe at Jonah. When you look back at Jonah's story, he ran away from God and he was ready to die. He was uh, on a boat, and and there was a storm, and he says, hey, it would be better if you just threw me overboard. Uh, Maybe the storm will end. Then God uses a fish to save him, and, and he turns around, and he's mad at God because God was willing to give the Ninevites the same grace that God had given him. And I'm like, my boy, why you don't get this? You got firsthand experience with what grace feels like. But then it's like, yo, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How often do we do something similar? You know, it's super dramatic for Jonah. We see that he's saved by a fish, and the next thing we know, he's angry because God wants to save the Ninevites. But how many times do we spend an hour and a half reflecting on the grace of God through someone interpreting scripture or giving our all in worship, and then the first time somebody treats us in a way that we think is unfair, we unload on them? It's anger. It's harsh words. It's negative thoughts about them, their mama, and all their family. So as we look to Jonah's story, let's look at it the way we would look at a mirror. Looking for the ways that we follow after Jonah and the ways that our Savior is showing us that he loves us too much to let us stay there. So that brings us to point number one. It's Jonah's misplaced anger. Everybody say anger. Anger. 
In verse one of this text, it says that God's grace on the Ninevites displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He says this back to God. Didn't I tell you you were going to do this? I knew it. I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It's like, Jonah, do you hear what you are saying? Jonah is mad that God is good. No, really, Jonah is mad that God is merciful. The same mercy that God extended to him, Jonah wanted to keep all that mercy from God to himself. I'll tell you, I was just like Jonah in high school. I had it in my mind um, that I was, since I was with Jesus, with God, I had the special sauce, you know? Like, I would see in, in the Bible how the, the Bible would talk about how God makes a way out of no way for his people. I was like, yes, I believe that. I would see how in Scripture, how God bestows his favor on behalf of his people. I'm like, the Bible says that I believe that, and I had it mixed up. I thought that there was like a limit on God's grace. Like, as long as I had God, I'm good. But I wasn't, it wasn't on my mind to share it with anybody else. Because I figured that if you had the grace of God, then I would be less special. Like, I would have less special sauce. Like, I wouldn't ever be able to get to the things that I thought God had put in my heart because I thought that somehow there was a limit to God's grace and God's mercy. But God's grace is great. Hey, it's great in two ways. The first way that it's great is that it's like, man, this is amazing. This is the most awesome news I have ever heard. But it's also great in its quantity. There is so much grace for everyone. You know, grace is one of those things in the world that the more you give, the more you receive. The more you extend God's grace, the more you receive it. Cross Community Church, if you would be convinced of that, and it seems like your whole church is set up with this mindset that we are going to reach the lost. But if you would be convinced that God's grace is great enough, you'd not only be okay extending it, but you'd be begging for an opportunity to display it. So Jonah's like, God, I knew you were going to be merciful, and I knew you were going to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, which is really a reflection of Exodus 34, 6, and 7. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God, the merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, for visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. You know, this, this passage, Exodus 34 and 6, is one of those verses that gets, co- co- continues to be uh, repeated over and over in the Old Testament. It's almost like it's the John 3.16 of the ancient world. And Jonah, he, 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 he remembers this about our God. And he says, you know what? I'd rather just die. I, if, you wanna, if you want to give grace and mercy to the Ninevites, I'd rather just die. And this is not the first time Jonah has said something like this. I alluded to this earlier. He was on the boat and the storm was happening. You know, I think if Jonah had just decided, you know what, I'm in sin. Let me repent of my sin. Hey, could y'all just take me to Nineveh? I I guess that God would be gracious enough to let the storm cease so that he could go to Nineveh. But no, he's like, nope, just throw me in the sea. I'd rather die than go preach to the Ninevites. And then in verse 4, the Lord says, Do you do well to be angry? In other words, God is asking Jonah, is it really benefiting you to be angry? I know that there's some parents in the room who look at a text like this and they're thinking about their teenager. 
you know? You tell your teenager no one time because you're trying to keep them safe, and they're like huffing and puffing, and they're like, oh my gosh, I hate you. Listen, I thought angsty teen, I thought a teen angst, I thought that was just something that happens in the movies, but it's real. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a campus pastor at our church, and so I get the opportunity to have dinner with members of our church and families, and, and it came out that I like to do different art things, like I do spoken word poetry, and um, one of the mothers, they, they looked at the daughter and said, oh, Nico, he does poetry. She was trying to make a moment of connection between me and her, and she says, hey, why don't you share with him some of the poems that you did? And she goes, mom, don't you dare share that with him. And I was like, okay. And she continued on, and she was like, no, but like, they were really good, and you talked about this, and you talked about that. And she said, I did that like years ago. He doesn't want to hear that. And I was like, all right. Teen angst is a real thing. I think this is what, this is what Jonah is reminding me of. He's acting like an angsty teen. He's like, I just, I'm just, I didn't get what I wanted, so I, I'd just rather die. John, and God asked Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Really, what is the benefit of your, angry, your anger? I, I just want to ask you, when you are angry, what's the point of your anger? When we get angry, what are we angry about? See, Jonah is angry because God didn't smite the Ninevites. Y'all, I'm a big emotions guy. I studied theater for my undergraduate degree, so emotions were the actor's bread and butter. And so I genuinely believe if you repress your emotions, you are not honoring God with the way that he made your body. But at the same time, emotions shouldn't control us, but they can give us a picture of our heart. You know, James 4, 1 and 2 gives us the perfect diagnosis. He says this, what quarrels and what causes fight and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James is saying, you're angry because you don't have what you want. That's Jonah. That's us too. Y'all, that leads us to point number two, God's object lesson. Everybody say lesson. Read with me the next set of verses. This is verse five. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Yo, I got to stop here because there's some tea we got to spill. That's just youth language for some juicy gossip. In Jonah 3, we find out it takes three days to cross the city. And, and God tells Jonah he, he needs to call out against the city. But on the first day of him calling out, there's major revival. And it seems like G Jonah was just barely doing what God told him to do. He goes, he does what God tells him to do. He sees a little bit of progress. And then he says, you know what? I'll just take a couple of days off. I'll leave the city, come up on, on top of the, the city so I can see what's going on. He builds himself like a tent to protect him from the shade. And then, in God's merciful fashion, even though Jonah already has some shade, God makes a plant come up out of the ground to give him some extra shade. Somebody say interruption. 
God interrupts Jonah in the midst of his laziness and still decides to bless him. My God, that's unmerited grace. And then it says that Jonah is exceedingly glad because of the plant. Just a minute ago, Jonah was exceedingly angry, and now he's exceedingly glad. Our emotions can be fickle. It's good to pay attention to them, but we cannot live and die by how we feel. Let's keep going in the text. Verse 7 says this, But then when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. So then, the next day, God interrupts Jonah again. He sends a worm to destroy the plant and a scorching wind to blow away Jonah's tent. So now he has no shade at all. And for the third time, Jonah says, I would rather die. Now keep in mind, this would have been Jonah's second or third day in Nineveh. If he had been being faithful to the task that God had given him, he wouldn't have been worried about the plant or the heat. Instead, he's outside the city, outside the will of God, upset because God took away the shade. And really, this is really just another example of the grace of God. He's going to use the gift that he gave Jonah, the shade tree, to help him understand the grace that he's already received. Let's look at verse 9. It says, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Again, God asked Jonah, does it benefit you to be angry for this plant? And Jonah responds just like the angsty teen. He says, yes, I'm angry. I'm so angry. I should just die. Then the way that God responds If God wasn't God, I would just think this is straight up sarcasm. He says, listen, you pitied this plant that you did no labor to make it grow. You didn't do anything to make it come up. And then it came up in one night and it left in the night and you are mad. You pitied this plant that you had nothing to do with. How much more should I pity a city that bears my image? How much more should I, should I pity the people that I've crafted and I've given them destinies and I've given them plans? How much more should I pity them? God uses this plant to teach Jonah a lesson about grace. Well, really, if we look at Jonah's entire story, God uses a word to reach Jonah. He uses a storm to reach Jonah. He uses a fish to reach Jonah. He uses a plant to reach Jonah. He uses a bug to reach Jonah. He uses the wind to teach Jonah a lesson about his grace. Cross community church, we don't know how Jonah's story ends. All we have left is God's question about the cattle. But you are right in the middle of the story that God is writing for your life. Will it take God using a storm and a fish and a bug and a plant to teach you about his grace? Or can he just show you his cross? 
Can he just show you how much he loved you by sending his son Jesus to give you a gift that you did not deserve called his grace? He gave you a gift that you didn't deserve and he gave you a gift that you couldn't earn, his son. I can't tell you why Jonah didn't get it. He received grace, but for some reason he couldn't extend it. Cross community, if you understand that the cross is the biggest interruption in the entire universe, that God becomes man and he steps in to pay punishment that you should have received, and that kind of grace washes over you, it produces grace in you for others. It's not always automatic. Sometimes it does take a little bit of work. But look, you need to know that it's God's work. And he said he would be the one who would bring it to completion. So here's our application. And then I'm going to take my seat. Extend God's grace with great joy. There's some of you in this room right now who cannot extend the grace of God because you have not yet received it. You've been coming to Cross Community Church. You've been checking some things out. You know something's going on in your heart. You look into the mirror of God's word and you just see yourself. You're, you're angry at the fact that you get angry at everything. And you're like, I'm ready to put that down. I'm ready to have the peace of God. I want you to know that God has sent his son to give you this grace that covers you. Hey, we, talk, we sang this song earlier. There is no sin that is bigger than his blood. I think sometimes uh, one of the obstacles to people coming to faith is they say, hey, you don't know what I've done. There's no way God would allow me into his family. And to that, I say, yes, he does know what you've done. And way before Way before you ever did it, he sent his son. Uh, in Ephesians, one of my favorite verses talks about how before the foundations of the earth, God had destined you. He had destined you to be blameless before him. Hey, if you want salvation, salvation is for you. His grace overflows. If that's you, there's going to be a prayer team at the end of service. We'd love for you to talk to them about that, about the steps it would take. And it's just one, it's just belief. It's just belief. Believing that what Jesus Christ did on the cross somehow counts for you. There are others in this room who have been a Christian. You are part of the faith family. You've been walking with Jesus. And I want to I wanna call you to extend the grace that you've received to other people. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be really easy for you to do this. It's going to be easy because everybody in your life needs your grace. There's everybody in your life, your friends are going to say the thing that gets on your nerves. Your husband is not going to take out the trash like you asked him to. All of the things. It's going to be easy because you're going to have a lot of opportunities to extend grace. It may not be as easy to give it out. But you need to know that our Heavenly Father, He empowers you by His Spirit to do things you could not do in your flesh. Hey, as we're looking at Jonah's story, it actually reminds me of two different times that Jesus teaches in the Gospels. There's one time in the book of Matthew, I believe, uh, Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Master, how many times should we forgive? 70 times 70? Seven times 70? 
And Jesus begins to tell the parable. He says, hey, there was once a king who was settling his debts. And a guy comes in who owes him a lot of money. And the king says, you know what? You know what? I'll let you. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'll take care of it. And the guy, he's like, thank you so much. And he walks out of the king's palace, and the first person that he meets is someone who owes him some money. And he says, you need to pay me all that you owe me, or I'm going to send you and your family to jail. For some reason, that man did not understand the grace that had been given to him. There's another story. There's another instance in Scripture where Jesus is having dinner with the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. And this woman comes in and she starts to kiss Jesus' feet and, and she begins to wash his feet with his, her tears and she dries his feet with her hair. And the, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they look at Jesus and they say, if you knew what she had done, you would not let her touch you. So Jesus tells another story. He says, hey, uh, a man is owed uh, money from two different men. One man owes 100 denarii, another owes 50. And the guy, he says, you know, your debt has been cleared. Your debt has been released. And Jesus looks back at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he says, who do you think will love the man more? The man and the, the Pharisees who are quite brilliant. They said the man who has been forgiven of much. And Jesus is like, you've got it exactly right. The one who's been forgiven of much loves much. And let me tell you, Cross Community Church, the more that you have received the grace of God, the more that your, your love for God begins to grow, you begin to extend it to other people. I heard one pastor say, uh, he calls it a, a gospel prayer. He says, um, what you have done for me, Lord, I will do for others. If we can look into the grace of God, and see how much he has extended grace to us. Time after time after time after time after time after time after time. If I was God, I'd probably let you go a long time ago. But he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Y'all, let's pray together. God, I thank you for your graciousness. God, you've been so gracious to me. When I have missed the mark, time after time after time. Lord, I pray that you would give us the desire to be gracious to others in our lives. That we would look at the amount of grace that you've given us and that we would just not be able to help giving out grace. God, we need you. We've always needed you. God, I pray that it wouldn't take storms. It wouldn't take bugs. It wouldn't take winds for us to understand your grace. It would simply take the cross. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.